means. It means work of the people. And what a delight it was to be up here and to see you guys really press into worship, press into prayer. And it's not, it's not a show. We don't come to consume. We come to, to participate in a liturgical service. We participate and we respond. Um, and after we do this, we're going to respond by breaking bread and coming forward and, and also going back for prayer and having people pray for us. And so it's, just, it's a great opportunity to be the church, to live out that liturgical life. Okay? That doesn't mean formal or whatever or stuffy. It means we're participating in it, not we're coming to just receive. We're coming to give and to do it together as a community. So I just delight to see that. It has nothing to do with my sermon. So um, I just was taken back by the desire for you guys to press in. Um, what I want to talk about is Iron Man and the Avengers and the whole Marvel series. I mean, those, what great movies. Now, I had young boys who wanted to watch them, so I had to go and watch those movies with them. And, I mean, these are billion-dollar set of movies. And do you know what the story is in every single one of them? I mean, it's just the same story. There's no new story it's the same story. It's do we have the power and the authority to defeat evil and bring about good? That's the storyline. And we want good to win, and we want these guys, these superheroes, to have the power and the authority to defeat evil. There's no new stories under the sun. This is the story that we're in. It's the story that we find ourselves in in this world. And we ask ourselves those same questions. Do we have the power and do we have the authority to do something about the brokenness in the world, about the evil that's out there, about things that are going astray, about things that are, or are we helpless? There's nothing we can do. We're weak. We, 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 there's nothing. We can't make a difference. You see, those boys who watched those movies thought, man, I want to make a difference. I was created to make a difference. I want to believe that one day I could have the power and authority to make a difference in this world. It's how you and me are wired. This is how God has made us. And you can have the power and the authority to make a difference in this world. It's the message of the gospel. It's what Jesus is telling his disciples over and over again. When he tells them to wait in that room and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and I will give you power and authority and you will go out and you will change the world. And the Holy Spirit came and he gave them and they went out and they changed the world that we live in. It's the same power and authority that's promised to us throughout scripture. Jesus says you will do greater things than I. What an amazing statement to hear. The God of the universe telling us the God of the universe who's done all these amazing things, all these miracles, taught with it. I mean, and you will do greater things than us. So why is it that we struggle with that? Why is it that we still keep asking that same question about ourselves? Part of the reason is that we've seen power and authority gone bad. We've seen it abused. We've seen it taken for granted. We've seen people who got power and authority and they've hurt us. Or they've disappointed us. Sometimes in our own families. Sometimes in our workplaces. And sometimes even in the church. And so we have this 
hesitation. We have this, maybe we need to squelch power and authority. In fact, we set up our government, we set up this whole checks and balances because we believe that statement, right? Power corrupts. And absolute power corrupts absolutely. So we're not going to have a king. We're going to have three branches of government. And they're going to make sure there's checks and balances because they saw power and authority gone wrong. And so as Christians, we're called to this new life. We're called to live in this power and authority. And yet we have this resistance like get some sense of pride or that it could go wrong or I don't know what I would do with it. But God wants you to have the kind of power and authority that's called spiritual authority. Jesus never had title. Jesus never held office. Jesus never, I mean, he was nothing. He was a nobody from nowhere in a conquered little place and he had all the spiritual authority in the world. He made a difference in the world. And so as we look at the life of Jesus, we start to understand what is spiritual authority and how does that differ in contrast from a worldly authority, a worldly power, a broken and fallen power. So Jesus lives a life of spiritual authority. So what did Jesus have power over in his life? Since he didn't have title or office, didn't make laws, couldn't, didn't do anything, what did he actually do? Well, the first thing we know is that he had some sort of power and spiritual authority over the physical world, right? I mean, what's, his first, what's the first thing he did, the first miracle? Turned water into wine. Wow, amazingly good wine. Good guy to have at the party. Man, that's amazing. He had power over the... He could heal. He would speak and people would be healed. He would touch people and they would be healed. He could walk on water. He could calm storms. And so spiritual authority is this power over the physical world. And the next thing we read in Scripture, we see that he has power over evil. He has power over the demons. He has power over Satan. We remember the story. Sometimes we forget the story. We get to Genesis and we think that's sort of chapter 1. It's the beginning. That's really like act 2. Act 1 happened in heaven. We read about it in Revelation, right? It says in heaven, there were all of the angels and the greatest of which was Satan. And it says, and they rebelled against God and a third of them were cast out of heaven into the earth where they roam around trying to kill, steal, destroy, mess up people's lives, cause destruction, criticism, pain, death. And that's the world in which we live in. And Jesus had authority over them. Jesus had power also in his words, in his teaching. He had power and authority. It says when he taught, he taught with authority. Here's this guy. He doesn't have an education. What, I mean, what's, his, what's his background? What's your PhD? You don't even have a PhD. You have a master's? Oh, you didn't even go to school. What? Holy. And he's teaching, and the crowds are flocking to him. And people are hanging on his words. And when he's and everywhere he goes, a large crowd follows because of what he says and how he says it. The power of his words. Can you imagine the power of his words with the woman caught in adultery, or the woman at the well, or the leper, or the guy who was, you know, cast out? 
And every one of those said, man, he spoke straight to my heart. He knew my situation and it was painful and he spoke love and redemption. He's the savior of the world. He's the Messiah. Jesus had power and authority in his words. He had power and authority in his leadership. People followed him. He didn't have a sign-up list. He didn't have to go and, you know, have this big recruiting thing. He said, hey, come follow me. They dropped their nets, jumped out the boats, and followed Jesus. A loud crowd followed him. Jesus was a leader of men and women. Jesus had powerful ability to lead. And finally, we see that Jesus had the power to forgive sins. Remember the guy gets lowered through the roof? You know, his buddies see that the, the, the house was packed. Everybody was trying to get to Jesus. They'd carry this guy on a stretcher for miles to get him in, and they couldn't even get in. And they're like, let's go through the roof. They lowered the guy down through the roof. Here he comes. He falls in front of Jesus. And you know what they wanted him to say? You're healed. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. And they're like, okay, I guess that's good too. You know, how about the walk in peace? He does that as well. But Jesus said, I have the power to forgive sins. So Jesus paints a picture of what it's like to have spiritual authority. Now here's the deal. He wants you to have that same spiritual authority in your life. All of those things we just talked about Jesus, he's saying, I want to give you the power and authority to do everything we just talked about. So are you saying that we're supposed to have power over the physical world? Yeah, listen to, I love this, I love this story about Peter. As soon as the meal was finished, feeding of the 5,000, he insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go ahead to the other side, and he dismissed the people. And when the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray, and he stayed there alone, Jesus, that night. Meanwhile, the boat with the disciples far out to sea, and when the wind came up against them, they were battered by the waves. And at 4 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they cried, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to confront them and comfort them. Courage, it is me, don't be afraid. And Peter, suddenly bold, said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come on. And jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water. Jesus, But when he looked down at the waves... Turning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and he started to sink. And he cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and he grabbed his hand and he said, Faint-hearted, what, why did you get, why, Peter, why did you become so faint-hearted? And the two of them climbed in the boat. The wind died down. And the disciples, having watched the whole thing, worshipped Jesus saying, This is it. You are God's son for sure. I mean, I love that, right? So, so Peter... Right, So when I say we should have power of the physical world, like Jesus, there, there's this thing like, okay, well then I can just kind of do miracles whenever I want. I can do all that stuff, Jesus, sort of at, at my will. You see, there's the confusion. No, Peter had it right. Jesus saw, I mean, Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And did he just jump out and walk on the water? No. What did he do first? Jesus, if you call me 
to do this, I know I can have the power, because you promised it, to walk on water just like you. You see, the setup is that when we go to pray for, we got a light show going on, man. I love this, man. Boom. Now pink. When I, when I get a good one, I want pink, then purple, and then, yeah. So Jesus models for Peter, Peter models for us that when we are called to pray for miracles, to pray for healing, we're first supposed to listen to Jesus and say, Jesus, we want to be in alignment. If you call me to do this, I'll participate. If you call me to be a part of this, I'll be part of you. So if I pray for someone's healing, here's the deal. I'm saying, Lord, I want to pray for this person to be healed. And if you call me to, and if it's your desire, so be it. And if it's not your desire to heal them right now, so be that. But I am willing to jump out of the boat and walk on the water to pray for the miracle. And it's up to you, Lord, to do it. And like Peter, I often get into those situations. Instead of looking at Jesus, I look at my circumstances and I start to sink. I start to lose that spiritual authority because I'm not focused on Jesus' will. And the way it happens for me is because I... It's somebody I want to be healed. I want them to be healed right now. And I want them to be healed my way. And I don't care what you want, God. I want this done. Please do it. That's not the way it works. Lord, how can I partner with you? How can I hear your voice? How can I be an instrument so I can walk on water and perform the miracles and do greater things than you? It's by being in alignment with his will. So we need to align our hearts with his will. You know, one of the things that's interesting, still in the Catholic Church, you know what it takes to become a saint? Three miracles. That's how you become a saint in the Catholic Church. You have to prove and have people say, three times this man or this woman had some sort of power over the physical world, miracle, and some miracle happened around them, and that's how you get to be a saint. And so they expect for you to live into that as well. I mean, it's just an interesting thing. It's three Maybe, you know, we can do more. Who knows? The second thing is Jesus having authority um, over demons, over the enemy, over evil. Okay? And again, it's that same sort of thing. Like, man, that seems like, wow, I mean, does that mean i got to go out and start doing deliverance ministry tomorrow? Like, what are you saying? What exactly does that mean? You know, some people are aware that I have this rule, and a lot of people don't really like it, but I don't do... Um, relationships with email and text, right? I'll do jokes and meet me somewhere and stuff like that, but I don't really do that, and I don't get into any really conversations. I never get into conflict over those things. And some people, that, you know, and they say, oh, yeah, because it's better in person. But here's what I know. I know that whenever I go into a meeting, here's what I'm going to do. I say, Lord, I pray that you would bind up evil, you know, critical spirits, mocking, anything that's not of you. Just cast that away from this time that we spend together. And here's what I know. Those meetings go completely different. God, I trust in you that I have spiritual authority in this moment, in this conversation, whether it's with a friend, a wife. It doesn't matter. Who is that conversation with? Someone who's your enemy or whatever. You pray into those situations, and you can have power over evil popping up. And so many times I go into those things thinking, man, this thing's going to go. Whew. I think this thing's going to go south. But when I pray those things, what I find more and more is people's hearts are warmed. 
And it's really, the enemy was at work and things had gotten crossways that really shouldn't have gotten crossways. And it was really no big deal. And we were able to get to the, whatever the issue or reconcile or it really is it not. Power over evil. You have that. You can pray into the situations everywhere that you are. Because the enemy is at work trying to condemn and steal and turn people against one another. I think that's what's going on on the internet on pretty good... Pretty often, pretty often. So we have authority over that. Jesus says in Luke 10, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he says, yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and all evil to overcome them, all the power of the enemy, so that nothing will harm you. But however... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you and become full of pride and think it has something to do with you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, that you've been adopted as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. For the weapons in Corinthians of warfare are not of the flesh, but we have divine power to destroy strongholds. So God's calling us to grow in our spiritual authority over evil. He wants us to have power in our words. The words that we speak should have spiritual authority. It should draw people closer to God. Our words are weapons. Our words are powerful. How do we use our words? We must use our words well in our relationships. Our words can be words of blessing or words of curse. How do we bless one another? How do you bless people with your words? What does that look like? Is my intention in this conversation to be a blessing or is it just to be pragmatic and get stuff done? Most of my life is just to be pragmatic. And I have to continue to work at, no, what? I want to be a blessing in this conversation. It's not just about getting it done. My wife's shaking her head. Yes, yeah, I see that in you. How do I be a blessing and I just, I just, so many times I just want to move through everything and get it done. The next thing is, we're supposed to have authority in evangelism. Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that Father is coming and in the times, but you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. It'll come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so our words are going to draw people who are lost. They're going to draw people who are confused, who are disconnected from God, who don't know the truth. And our words, our spiritual authority grows that they will be attracted to the Lord. We'll have power and authority to lead people. We're all called to be leaders in some shape, form. Leaders in your family. Leaders in your home. Leaders in your workplace. Leaders wherever you find yourself there is an opportunity to be a lead. Leaders in the way you do your marriage. And so the question we have is, well, who's following us? Is anyone looking at my life and following me and saying, hey, I recognize there's something in you. I recognize a joy, a peace, a power, something, and I would like to follow you in the way that you do your life. We should expect, as we grow in spiritual authority, people will want to follow us. They will want to come around us and know how we live the way we live, the way we love the way we love. 
And so as we grow in spiritual authority, we will grow in our leadership. And finally, we need to be able to have spiritual authority to forgive. Jesus tells us what? We have the power and the authority to bind and to loose. And whatever we loose from heaven will be loosed. And whatever we bind will be bind. We pray every time in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us as we forgive others. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. So we, hopefully we got the power and authority to forgive others because that's how we're praying that God's going to forgive us. And so we live a life of forgiveness. I've told the story. It's, I mean, it's just, it's just one I can remember that um, when my brother had died, it was a tragic deal, and um, somebody killed my brother, and, and um, I was with a friend of his, and I was hunting with him for a couple of years afterwards, and um, we never really spoke about anything, but he came to me and said, you know what's really drawn me to the Lord? And I said, no, because I didn't really talk to him about the Lord. He goes, the fact that you can still have a joy and a peace, and that you've been able to forgive the guy who killed your brother, that's been the most powerful witness to me that I can imagine. The power to forgive people will get people's attention. It's spiritual authority. Because people will know that you've been hurt. People will know that you've been wrong. People will know that you were mistreated and abused. And when you respond with forgiveness, it tells us in Scripture, it's like heaping coals on their heads. It completely takes evil and everything that it intends to do and turns it on its head. It makes Satan overplay his hand and things get transformed. So you can have spiritual authority and power to bring forgiveness in a world full of vengeance, in a world full of hate, in a world full of people who want to take each other out. And so we're to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. So in closing, you were created for power and authority. I know it's been abused. I know it's been broken. I know it's confusing. Jesus models it, and then he says, I'm going to give you power and authority to go do all these things. And we need to learn to grow and to walk in those and to expect it and to encourage one another and to build each other up in these ways that we might be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Amen. And now, as Graham gets up and starts preparing the table, This is a time to respond to the Lord. Um, 